and welcome to this latest edition of 101 George Street, Mopre's podcast. My name is John Malloy, and this week I'll be chatting to none other than Matt Baker, the orchestrator of the Stove Network in Dumfries. The Stove Network is an arts organisation based in Dumfries that has been one of the major drivers for urban regeneration in the town and in October they will be producing Dumfries' Wild Goose Festival. In keeping with his passion for arts-driven social regeneration, Matt is also the strategic director of the Mid-Steeple Quarter Project, a community benefit society breathing new life into Dumfries Town Centre by developing empty properties so that they better serve the community. Matt, what's your favourite children's story and why? This is a this is a book that um, I've uh, has been in my life for a very long time, but actually I didn't know as a child. I I read enormously as a child, but it was like a, just a and and I, I actually I was thinking about it and I can't even remember what I was reading as a child. It was just I just read, um, but this was a book that uh, a girlfriend gave me in my twenties actually. That was about uh, it's an uh, an Alan Alan Garner book called The Stone Book. And it's uh, a story of about a stonemason who uh, and his daughter and the daughter's the daughter finding out about why about stone basically and the story of stone and uh, and it, it uh, and at the time I was like um, dying to be a stone carver and so I was it was really deep for me but then I then had a daughter. Um, and so it, I was incredibly excited about when I was going to get to read this story to my daughter. And of course, and yes, with all good stories, um, she, she wasn't interested in the slightest bit. <laughs> but there you go. She's now, now, I mean, now she's interested in stone all of a sudden. And uh, she's, at, she's at uni studying, uh, studying fine art. So, um, so maybe something went in. But it's a lovely story that ends up with the two of them down a um, a cave underground, and the stonemason shows shows uh, the daughter uh, um, uh, the handprint of of a uh, somebody from ancient times, you know, and that but that's a sort of about the the continuity of, uh, of of people working with stone all from thousands and thousands of years and being part of that, which was pretty emotional for me as a um, stone person. I can imagine, and I think it's it's interesting that out of, I mean, I, I think this is episode 16, 17, and out of all the people that I've spoken to and all the guests we've had on the show, you're the only person that has actually said, okay, this isn't the story that I've read from childhood and I've got fond memories of reading it when I'm a child. This is a story that you came to late in life, comparatively late in life in your 20s. That's the fascinating thing about children's literature and children's stories. We all have a favourite one, but it might not necessarily be the one that you you read as a child. It could be the one that you read to your child or you hope to read to your child. And that in itself is an important, very emotional response, very human response, actually, to children's literature. Mm. Yeah, because because there's a child in all of us all the time. And so that that literature is always going to to speak to that child whatever stage of life you're in I mean I, I will still read I, I bought my girlfriend a children's book three months ago during during lockdown because the the, the illustrations were so beautiful and and the, and the stories were good you know I mean it's uh, yeah you can read them as an adult absolutely now you describe yourself as the orchestrator of the stove network in Dumfries for people listening at home 
what is the stove network? Well, yeah, and what is an orchestrator? Yeah, it's all. It's all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we never make these things easy. Yeah, we do get phone. We do get phoned up by people wanting us to fit stoves for them from time to time. Um, uh, and the orchestrator bit was the fact that we're um, well. It's an it's a, it's an art organisation. The stove is an arts organisation. I'll explain a little bit more about that. Um, and it's run it's run collectively by um, by a bunch of creative people I would say artists but not all of them are artists in the classic sense everybody at the stove is, is creative in some form and, um, and that's how that's how we manage it but we, we do we, we try to work as collectively as possible so mm -hmm. the, uh, the orchestrator thing came about because um, we didn't want to have a uh, a director or a manager or a, so the idea was in the same way that an, an orchestrator for a, 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 in, a, in an orchestra is the one who's who's um, uh, supporting all the parts of the orchestra to be heard well together. So it's kind of ma managing managing the overall sound rather than being in charge or it being the one who's written the written the piece or whatever. So that so the stove it's called the stove because the idea was that we it, what was most important to us was that it was accessible and it was public, um, and the idea of the stove was something that people could could gather around. And also that um, that sense that there was something cooking in the stove, that it was a place where, I, for our, from our point of view, it was a place where ideas were, were growing and were hatched and were allowed to develop. And it came about because there was a group of us, about sort of six key people at the beginning, who could see that Dumfries was kind of um, falling on hard times. It's somewhere that, that has... Um, for the last 20, 30 years anyway, has the town centre has been almost exclusively shops. I mean, that wouldn't be a natural state for, for a town 40, 50, 60 years ago, but mm. that is what Dumfries became the last 20 to 30 years. Um, and those shops were beginning to um, close because of out-of-town shopping and um, uh, online re retail. And we, we thought, uh, we, we, you know, it's our community. We need to try and do something to stop that decline and also um, start thinking about the town in a different way about how do we get some of that diversity back and some of the other things for other for other people who don't want to just shop. So a, a couple of us have been involved in other arts projects around around uh, Scotland and we thought, well, yeah, no, we could do something like that. Why could we, you know, we could do something like that here. Like, why not? And we were, we, there was an opportunity there to, there was an empty shop that we had an opportunity to, to get involved with. We started just working in the shop. We weren't actually supposed to be there to start with, but we, we sort of got a key and we started to sort of have, you know, started to do some things. We weren't really allowed to let people in to start with, but um, we started to build relationships with, with other people working in the town and some of the businesses. Um, and gradually we, we got to be quite official and in May 2015, we got the keys to the, the building officially and we were able to open it as the stove. Um, and the, the principle there was that it was a place to, uh, to have a conversation and to involve the town. So it was the most important part was that it, it was accessible and that people could just come in. And then we weren't, we didn't have an agenda of like, we're going to do these amazing artworks and then you're going to all come and look at them. It was rather that you come in, let's have a conversation about what we all, what we could all do together. And we really, what we wanted to do was put creativity in the arts at, at the service of, of our community. It's like, okay, we want to do something about the town centre. Let's come up with some ideas about what we could do and then try them out. 
and gradually people started to started to see that people could do things themselves because at that time there was a bit of a sense of like well there's no point um that somebody else is in charge the council does it you know the council's in charge and they never do anything and we can we can ask them to do stuff but they'll ignore us and and it was like ah, you know come on guys like Dumfries wasn't built by the council Dumfries was built by people like you and I who had some ideas had some enterprising thoughts wanted to get a market wanted to get a wee shop or open a bar or um and we could do that and Gradually, that's what's happened is different community um, enterprises and initiatives have have started and grown up around what the stove was doing. And not all to do with us, but we've been able to then work in partnership and encourage that atmosphere of collective working. And a, a little scene has grown up. So there's now um, around about 30 people regularly employed out of the stove who are all working on partnership projects with the with the local community. Um, and it's got it's got a bit of a buzz about it. So it was a very long answer to the question of what's this stove. <laughs> no, but I think it's 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 really important. And so one of the reasons why I think it's really important actually is that people have asked me in the past what is the stove because I've spoken about you guys um, quite a bit. And just to say it's an arts organisation wouldn't be covering the the whole picture as an organisation. And I'm familiar with similar organisations from Merseyside. You provide a stepping stone and a safe space for other people to come along. A to find their niche. Because I know from coming from an outside area and, and moving to Dumfries and Galloway a few years ago now, the first place I, I, I looked for and my wife looked for was the stove because it's it's a space that lets you a settle into the area, but also lets you, gives you a little bit of headspace to figure out, okay, right, I want I'm interested in that. How do I go about doing that? Or I'm interested in this. How? What do I need? Who do I need to know to do that? So you provide this sort of support network for creatives, either who were from the area uh, originally or from people who've come outside and uh, have come and moved to the area. Knowing that you're there, the support network could literally be the cafe. It could be just, you know, where you go to have have a coffee and, and chat to other people in the high street. No, that's that's really nice to hear, John, because it's, it, it absolutely wasn't, wasn't the the intention in a way to, to start the intention was to sort of do these kind of collective public art projects and, and and have some ideas about where the town went but it has turned into that it has turned into this kind of like hub for the creative industries and um and and i see now our our sort of role in 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 learning and support for people's careers as possibly the most important thing that we actually do in terms of, of the stove now. So, you know, it's, it's the hugest sort of sense of pride for me is when you see how much that support can mean to particularly a, a young, well, anybody really, but, mm. you know, we, we really struggle in this area for our young, our young people leave. And so seeing, well, seeing young people kind of going, no, I can, I, can, I want, I don't want to, I, I can do something here. You know, Dumfries has got something for me. Like I've looked elsewhere, and it's not as good as here, and that that's amazing. Or them coming back and going, well, I tried away, and uh, actually, I've been drawn back. I mean, there's one one young person that's working with us at the moment who who um, actually is finding it hard. You know, still wants to go away and finish something that they were doing in another in another city, but um, is finding it hard to leave because there's just so much creative work for them to do here you know 
and that, that's that's kind of wonderful and it's and it it breeds a it breeds a sense of confidence and um, imagination in in a lot of people around it. I think and that's wonderful. And I think you're right, actually. Towns and cities, they're not just about shops and they're not just about traditional office buildings. In order for it to have a thriving urban area, you need more than, than just commerce and residential areas. You need something else. You need an, an other. And it needs to be a scene. It can be, you know, it could be nightlife or a social scene, or it could be um, an art scene that feeds into the life, the cultural life of that particular urban area. And you need that, I think. Yeah, yeah, it speaks to who who we are as a as a as a community, and a, you know we're not just people, we're not just consumers. We need to we 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 also are makers of our own of our own culture. And as you say, whether it's a night scene, I mean, you don't think about you don't kind of consume. You know, you, when you go out, you're being you're being creative. You know, you're you're responding you're responding to to music and conversation and your dance and all and there's all, all that which says something about who you are you know and uh, shopping is is a very very limited form yeah all right you, you buy things you wear them and that says something about your identity but it's it's actually relatively relatively limited in in its in its um, vocabulary whereas the culture that happens in a in a place is, is much more expansive about um, saying something about who we are absolutely matt absolutely now i know you are an artist and you're a practicing artist and i'm quite interested in your artistic background as an artist mm -hmm. uh yeah well it's been a long it's been a long journey um i mean i'm a sculptor to mm. trade i i'm i'm, I'm starting i said about the stone i, I started carving stone i did a, a three-year apprenticeship uh, but I've, I've always only ever worked to um to commission in what I did, and that, that was kind of, that was kind of important to me. Um, I've always had a sort of bit of a bit of a mission to to do something useful in the world, and and I wasn't just sure that that me me dreaming dreams in my studio and and then trying to sell things to people from galleries. I wasn't that really wasn't for me. What what was for me was responding to somebody else's idea or, or responding to a place or you know um, a commission brief of like we want something that kind of is going to do this um so that was that was how I made a living as an I made a living full-time as an artist for over 20 years um but gra gradually I got I got more and more interested in in the way that art projects involved involved people in the in the process I mean and that 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 started like really really early doors. The the first big commission that I did was for a um, a mining memorial in a, a area of deepest Gloucestershire, which is sort of just between England and Wales. It's an odd strip of land, and uh, it was an amazing sort of project in that um, they they had no money at all. They, they, they their their mining tradition was under threat. It was something to do with health and safety. I can't remember what it was as, but the the main main guy the top miner decided that, that what they wanted to do was raise profile to get their, um, get their point across. Um, and so he came up with this idea of let's, let's build a memorial to this disaster that had happened nearly a hundred years before. And as I say, they had no money. A friend of mine said, Oh, Matt's doing quite a lot of stone carving. He'd do it for you. And you know, he's young. He won't charge a lock. And so the, um, what, what they, they they gave me a big block of stone and this thing was to be right in the middle of the woods where this pit had been 
Uh, and I spent 10 weeks carving in this clearing in the woods while the miners were going around with buckets collecting money to feed me while I was doing that. And then and they, they would also come around and chat in the woods and tell me the stories of the mines. And it was like all of that was going into the going into the work, you know, and it just was like, no, this is, and in some senses, I've, I've been trying to get back to that point, you know, and when they, when, when we had the unveiling, they had a male voice choir there that the miners all sang, they had a, um, they brewed a special beer with it, with a label, with a picture of the sculpture on it and all that, and it was just like, right, this, art can do this, art can mean this to, to, to a community and have a value like that. So I've been sort of trying to get back to that point almost ever, ever since. But like I say, I, I started to get, I got, started to get involved in projects that, that had that community aspect and got gradually more and more interested actually in, in the way that um, the art could help. So in the Gorbals regeneration, I was involved in that. Um, and we ended up uh, that you know it was quite a sort of um, downtrodden disempowered community there who'd had a series of sort of big transformations the gorbals had been knocked down and rebuilt three times in in a hundred years and each time the community sort of just gets pushed from pillar to post and moved on and does some of them come back and, uh, and so we as the arts project we ended up as the sort of um, mediator between the people who were doing the developing and the community mm. um, and it was a very challenging place to be because you you know we didn't you know sometimes there was some really sort of um, powerful stuff that was going on and were we, were we really able to deal with that or you know how were we going to speak truth to power on, from both sides and and I start. I just really started to see. Okay, there's a real, there's a real value here. That the role, the role of that creativity as, as a sort of medium of communication. So I was there for five years, working there, um, and then city artist for the for the town centre in in Inverness or city centre as it was because it just been made a made a city. Yeah. And that project was um, was a bit of a sort of precursor for the stove. There was a. There, were, there was a sort of arts community in the Highlands, but it, it was very developed in, in, in music, but not so much in the, in the visual arts and public art. And we used that project as a way of um, launching the careers of quite a few artists who've gone on to do quite well now, um, giving them the opportunity to, to show what they could do in their, in their home, hometown, which they hadn't had that opportunity before. And we did things like um, we we staged a, a new high street for the day where the artists, it was 12 artists, had three months to put together a project. And for a day, we took over the high street completely and it became an art, art high street with, with some, there was some pretty mad stuff going on. Mm. Um, you know, so the Gorbals thing was about um, communication and representation and identity. The, the uh, um, Inverness project was more about... Um, uh, brokering relationships and partnerships and, 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 and that building of a, of a creative sector. Mm. Um, all of that then sort of got poured into Dumfries as my sort of next big project that I wanted to invest, invest time in. And the big difference was that the, all of those other projects, we never really had a proper base. Yeah. So you'd, you'd get you'd get a sort of excitement and a momentum going and then it was difficult for people to stay connected to it because they couldn't sort of find you. So that was the thing with Dumfries with with the stove was like we start with that let's start with the place, 
and build it build it from that so that it's got this kind of core core um center of gravity but what brought you to Dumfries itself uh work mm. um so I'm not yeah I mean you know, as you can hear I'm not from here um I grew up in in deepest Devon the the southwest of England I've traded the southwest of England for the southwest of Scotland um <laughs> Uh, but my my mother's from Ayrshire, um, and I've got quite a lot of family in in Galloway, actually cousins. But uh, I was I was a jobbing artist with my with my tools moving moving around. I moved around a lot, um, and I guess I was looking for home in mm. some way. And I got a I got a commission to work with the Forestry Commission at Newton Stewart, who were making a sculpture trail in the woods. Was, you know, there were a few of those around at that time. Uh-huh. And I met um, my mother's first cousin who um, uh, stayed at Port William in Wigtonshire. And um, they, they came. So I was a resident artist there, but they didn't have anywhere for me to live. So they, um, I, I sort of towed a friend's caravan up from, from Gloucestershire, where I was, where I made that mining memorial. Yeah. Um, and they were they were pretty hardcore hippies, these friends of mine. So this purple, this caravan was purple and green, and um, the uh, the forestry commission didn't uh, didn't really like the look of my caravan. So they hid me hid me behind a tree somewhere well out of the way, and there was nowhere for me. I had no facilities at all. And my my um, auntie Fiona, as she became to me, uh, she'd just lost her husband about six months beforehand, and. So somehow the two of us just needed each other. I, I was I was a distraction for her and something, you know, a new a connection back to family. And for me, it was like um, it was like finding finding my mum, but um, my mum in the right right context. So my mum had sort of like left Scotland just before she had me as a child, and uh, she'd always yeah seemed a little bit out of place somehow. And uh, so it was yeah, and it was like okay, this is. This is home. Um, this feels this feels like somewhere that I should um, should be, and uh, yeah, that was uh, well nearly twenty five years ago. I think the important thing about home, the one thing with you, Matt, is that you were able once you settled here to look into the, look at the region and go, ah, okay, I can help here, or I can use the skills and the experience that I developed working in Glasgow, working in Inverness, working in uh, Gloucestershire. And I can try to make a difference. And this leads on to my next question. And it's quite a broad question, but it's the one that I feel very passionate about. Again, I've done it. I did personally, I did a lot of work with um, Liverpool in the, in the European Capital of Culture bid back in 2006, 2007, 2008. And it's the role that the arts can play in regeneration. I think the, the, the role of the arts in, in regeneration is, I think, crucial. And I think it's, I think it's important. It, it, it's an important point that needs to keep being made, mm. particularly, right. So when you think about regeneration now, mostly what we think about is big buildings, roads, parks, big mm. schemes that are done from uh, somewhere else that are kind of like, you know, if you're, if you're people on the ground, they sort of like appear out of, out of nowhere and like, where has this come from and how, how do we influence it? Okay. Mm. I think I think that time is actually passing, and I think where we, particularly in Scotland, where we are now, where it's it's all about grassroots regeneration and, and and how do the ideas start? 
and how do how does a community do people talk about place a lot they talk about place as something which the health people are interested in the education people are interested in the transport people are interested in the business people and yeah that we can all unite around this idea of place but it needs it, that that's about community community has to be at the center of place and I think this is this is where the role of the arts is incredibly important is in 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 supporting communities to articulate that vision because quite quite often it, it becomes a you know like I was talking about the Gorbals thing it becomes a translating job as well arts and creative people speak a lot of languages in terms of the way all the different people that they communicate with yeah there's that old, that quote from Queen Victoria about always never never the artists are the ones that you need to be most worried about because they speak to everybody mm. yeah often what happens at that point is artists artists can get involved in helping to articulate the vision of like our community wants to see this and they're good at, good at campaigning and saying and making a noise about um, bringing in attention and potentially bringing in money and focus to what to what you're doing then quite often what happens is it's like oh we don't need the artists anymore we've done we've done that bit like we'll now form a committee and we've got a plan and we'll do a feasibility study and then we'll put it on and then, then what happens if, if you bracket out the artists is that that committee goes behind closed doors and all of a sudden you've got a sort of another little secrecy thing that is happening. And before you know it, you've got things being done to people that they don't know where they came from. Yeah. And the, the art and the creativity people, we're all about communication. So we want to be all the time talking about what's going on or asking questions, crucially. I think art, art asks a lot of questions. So it's vital that the, the creative people stay involved through the, through the whole process. Then there's, that, then there's that other bit, which is about, well, they, the, the, the art and creativity also form, is, is very good at um, working with disused spaces. So empty shops and creative folk are really good at going in and doing things quickly and cheaply and making, making, bringing things back to life. And quite often those things can turn into really viable businesses that can, can um, take over, take over those buildings and, uh, and, 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 and build commerce that, that becomes a sustainable way forward. Um, and again, part of the problem that classically then happens is that you, um, the developers will come along after that energy and commerce has been built up and go, oh, thanks very much, guys. Um, we're, we're now putting the rents up and uh, sorry, but you can't afford them anymore because we're moving these folk in who can pay, can pay the rents. So the community aspect and ownership and partnership is what it has to be about from, from here on so that some of that stake is retained in the in the community and um uh, and and people's efforts are valued and and continue to be valued um by by uh, um, continued occupancy but I, I think i think it's also really important when we're talking about art what or culture what we mean here because if you take its own, you know, people tend to sort of the classic picture of like what is an artist is somebody who's working alone in a in an attic room somewhere, dreaming their own amazing dreams, putting them on canvas and then selling them in a gallery, you know, and um, and and you know, I can really understand why why people are going to say, well, like, how's that going to help regenerate our town? Yeah, and 
but I think but that 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 model of art practice is is relatively relatively new. You know, maybe 150 years even that since the end of the end of the sort of 19th century when this idea of the sort of artist genius who was his own patron and uh, came up with their own ideas and sold them happened. Prior to that, all art has been commissioned. It had, been, it had a purpose, whether it was the church that was commissioning it or the government or whoever it was. Um, and artists were seen as translators of, of other people's visions. And, and so when we talk about that art now, I think we need, we need to be talking about what's the art for? You know, what's the intention behind the art? It's not just about the, the personal vision of, a, of an individual, but it's about, a, but in its expression of a collective identity. And that's where you come back to the, the, um, the idea of community is a lot of the work that I'm involved in, which we talk about as creative, creative placemaking or community-led art, is, is putting the community into the situation where they, they effectively become the commissioner. They're setting the, they're setting the, um, uh, the rules for, for what the art, artists are then doing. And in many instances, the artists are working, working collaboratively with, with the community and, and they're, they're all making it together and the artists are working as facilitators in order to, to make that happen. So it's not, about, it's not about producing art in the way that, that it's, a, it's about that idea of an expression of, an expression of who people are, about a collective, collective identity. The more the community has a stake in that regeneration so that it becomes a, it's an image of themselves in a sense so again that has a knock-on effect because if you look at a particular area and it starts getting regenerated and the community has a real voice in that that that, that regeneration then that'll ripple out into other areas and in doing so it then creates a wider sense of identity and it can evolve that identity as well. What what might be considered to be, okay, I'm from this particular town and this is what we do and this is who we are. 20 years down the line, it could be, okay, we're actually this and uh, we've got this voice and there's lots of little different voices and we're all part of this one collective expression of people. So I think that's really important, this idea of artists as being facilitators in, com- in not only the community, but also when it comes to enabling the community to express themselves. Yeah, how, you know, how many times have we heard people, people say, well, nobody listens to me? And in any community, you've got people who have just arrived who have got a different story, you know, and they need to maybe then, you know, sometimes they've, they've been through terrible things, maybe they're, they're refugees or we, we need to be creating places that welcome all of those new voices can express the, the indigenous voice, but, the, but, but there's a platform for, for all of it, you know, and I think, and, and the arts can be an amazing kind of leveler that, to give access to, give access to all of those. And we need to, you know, we need to challenge traditions as well. I mean, the young people, young people growing up in the Fries, for instance, um, you know, quite often are sick to the back teeth of hearing about Robert Burns and having to do the do the, the do the poetry at school and all the rest of it. But if you have a, if, but if you have a chance to really reinterpret Burns with young people and talk about the kind of person he was and why he was writing what he was writing and what he was experiencing at the time, it can suddenly start to mean things to them and they can start making their own work about where they, you know, because that's the important thing is that the creative people are not seen as these kind of like far off unreachable 
icons, they're people like us who've grown up and had a mum and had a dad and, and you know, um, had, had a terrible time at school or whatever, you know, and, um, and, and that's the way that they express that. And that expression of that becomes part of the place that we all share. Well, moving away from regeneration, because I could talk to you for hours uh, regarding this, and we haven't really touched on the Mid-Steeple Quarter um, project at, at all either. I want to talk about the Wild Goose Festival that's coming up in Dumfries in October. And it's it's quite significant. And when I first uh, became aware of the festival, I thought it was very, very exciting because I came aware of it in lockdown. And the idea that Dumfries was going to put on a festival straight after lockdown um, and a festival that celebrated nature and optimism and life and wildlife was brilliant because at that particular point, myself and pretty much everyone in the country, everyone in the world who was struggling through this lockdown that was imposed, we were looking for things that we could kind of look forward to. So what is the Wild Goose Festival? For the people listening at home, what is that festival? The, well, the Wild Goose Festival is a week of um, mixed events, as you've, you've said, nature, creativity. Uh, it, um, and the reason that it's now is because it's, um, it celebrates one of the sort of special things that happens here, which is this uh, a migration of um, barnacle geese who travel every year from Svalbard in Norway to Kalavaruk in um, Dumfries. Mm. Um, and that, that traveling, that movement, that arrival, um, that then staying has, is, um, is, is part of how we live and how we understand ourselves here. I mean, it, it's really interesting, the geese, that everybody, everybody's aware of the geese. You know, if you, if you start talking to people, you say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's very little actual sort of real deep understanding or it's not something that is talked about a lot openly. It's not, it's not a great subject of conversation. It's just something that happens. Um, so down at Calaverock, um, there's a very passionate group of people, the, the um, Wetlands and Wildfowl Trust, who... who make a safe space for those those geese to inhabit and um and let people see them um and they they're very passionate about it as i said but they they kind of like feel like well we'd, we'd like to we'd like to open that out to more people mm. um we'd like you know they, they the geese fly over the town so the geese arrive they live um down at calaverock for for half the year um and what they do each day is they take off go and find somewhere to eat and then they come back to Calabrock. So they kind of, you see them flying around backwards and forwards. And uh, the noise is very um, familiar. But nobody's, you know, but, but the, 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 so the folk at WWT were said to us, well, we, we'd really like the town to get more involved in the, mm. in, in the geese, to know about the geese. That's part of our mission is sort of outreach. Um, they did a they they for the last two years they've done a what they called a wild goose weekend, mm. um, which celebrated the geese arriving from Svalbard, and they thought well we could we could could we expand that, so they came talk to us um, through a wonderful local poet called Tom Powell who was in this conversation with the folk at Calaverock, um, and we we thought well yeah it's it's about the river. That's the, that's the path that the geese follow 
down to down to Claverock, which connects Dumfries to to them. What what if what if we just put on a, a, a week of celebration around those ideas of the geese, the traveling migration relationship with Norway, which this is a very special story about Norway and Dumfries. Um, and and yeah, let's 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 see what see what we could do. And, and then there was the as you say, there was the thing about lockdown, yeah. and it was like we were just determined, like well, maybe maybe there'll be a space by October that we could put something on. And people are, you know, people are desperate for something to do um, and go to, you know. And so yeah, it's been very restricted what we can do, obviously, by following all the the. Um, very important regulations that we're all living with, but we're we're having a we're having having a shot at it. Are there any events that you particularly are looking forward to? Uh, a lot. Um, I'm particularly looking forward to some of the literature events, actually, because that uh, um, that was a re- that's been a really strong theme. Literature is really strong around here, and particularly since um, Moat Bray has come into being, I think that that sense of the children's literature and storytelling part is is a is a um, potentially uh, who well, I hope I'm committed to is going to be a big part of Dumfries's identity in the mm. in the future. And I think we, I, I, I see Wild Goose Festival as a little, a bit of a prototype for ways that um, the, the the rest of us in the creative community can all sort of like work together yeah. with with Moat Bray on on ideas that that. That connect literature with with other events. So, the um, songs of the curlew and the goose event with uh, Stephen Rutten, Patrick Laurie, um, authors Emily Dodds and Maisie Chan, who are at Moat Bray. Really great to see that. And then you've got you know the Norway the the, the conversations with Norway. There's an online event with with Norwegian artists taking part, and that comes from. Um, it's not a well-known story, but in the in the, the Second World War, um, the, the Norwegian army in exile, or the, Norway was occupied by Germany in the Second World War, was based in Dumfries. So the population of Dumfries was 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 20% Norwegian, and there was a lot of intermarrying and relationships that have formed since then. There's a football team that's been going backwards and forwards to Norway ever since, Greystone Rovers. Um, and so, you know, that, that fits with the geese coming from Norway. So there's a, quite a lot of artists that have developed projects with Norway through that, that connection. Um, and it was an opportunity to put some of those on. Um, there's also a really interesting project around the, um, the, the fair that comes to Dumfries, which is a traveling community of show people who move around Scotland putting on fairs, um, which is another sort of form of migration that we were interested in that, that, connects it all together so there's there's you know hopefully there's something something for everybody there and um but i I hope it's just going to be a collective collective um community expression of um uh, of hope actually um given the year that we've all had absolutely absolutely and i personally can't wait for it um uh we're running out of time at the moment matt i just want want to ask a a final question in that um do you have any future plans um both for yourself and uh, the stove in general future for future for the stove is actually incredibly uncertain right now but we have a we have a project called atlas pandemica which we're very excited about uh, where that's that's 10 artists from the region that we've been able to commission each of whom is working with a different 
different uh, different part of the community, um, and, and part of the community that that has had a role to play in the pandemic, and we're looking at what we can learn from what people did during lockdown and are continuing to do uh, differently, um, and and then putting forward some propositions about uh, how we can build those those new ways of doing things into into our collective future. So excited excited for that i'm most excited for the stove um, working a bit more regionally i think i mean i think what we've been able to do in dumfries um i think a lot of other places are looking at it and going oh we'd like to do a bit more of that so uh, that's that for me personally that's what i'd like to be doing is 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 helping enable some other places to do some of the things that um that we've learned fantastic matt thank you so much we've run out of time but it's been brilliant Thank you very much, John. That was a huge pleasure. (laughs) Well, that's all from me, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to click like and subscribe, and I'll see you next time right here on 101 George Street. Take care.